This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. And we became the experts. This was something without the help of WQA, we never could have done it. And WQA couldn't have done it without the local feet on the ground. So that synergy is critical. That's David Davies with Aqua General in Houston, Texas, talking about how WQA and members in Texas worked together to change a water softener installation code that was costing consumers a lot of money. And welcome to WQA Radio, the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. This is episode number 346. If you're a first-time listener or perhaps new to the industry, we're glad you're here. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way, you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone on your team or perhaps a friend or a colleague. Also, we now feature these podcasts on our WQA YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash at Water Quality Association videos. We're publishing this November 22nd of 2023. For those of you in the United States, a very happy Thanksgiving. And it's Member Appreciation Month at WQA. Thanks to all our members who promote better water quality. Find us at wqa.org, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and X. In this episode of WQA Radio, we are joined by David Davies, CWS and President of Aqua General in Houston, and WQA Government Affairs Manager Jordan Carey. We're going to be talking about how WQA and member companies in Texas were able to work together to change the City of Houston's specialty plumbing code, which contained a provision mandating a double-check valve assembly for all water softeners to protect against cross-connection. Turns out it was an unnecessary provision, which resulted in an unnecessary expense for consumers. Also working closely with the project was WQA member Bob Rustorfer, who was unable to join us. Later, we'll have our Motivational Minute and WQA tip. Now on to David Davies and Jordan Carey on WQA Radio. And in this podcast on WQA Radio, we're going to talk a little bit about the whole idea of cooperation between WQA and member companies. It's Member Appreciation Month as we record this podcast. So we're glad to have David Davies with us. He's been in the water business for 30 years, holds a certified water specialist certification, holds a TCEQ water treatment specialist license, and is president of Aqua General Inc. in Houston, serving residential and commercial customers. Also joining us, Jordan Carey with our Government Affairs Department. Jordan is the Government Affairs Manager at the Water Quality Association. So, David, thanks for joining us. Nice to be here. How are and you? Jordan, welcome to the program as well. Oh, thank you, Wes. And I wanted to start with Jordan just kind of setting this up, as I mentioned at the, at the outset. We're talking about 
how WQA and members interact, and in the case of government affairs, how WQA is able to help advocate on behalf of members, companies, and on behalf of the industry, but also working together, that collaboration that we always like to hear about and talk about. So set the stage of what happened in Houston, Texas, relative to government affairs. Yeah, Wes, and, and thank you again for having us on here. Um, the city of Houston is actually a prime example of how WQA and a state and regional association, the Texas Water Quality Association, and also our members work together to really achieve a legislative and regulatory goal. So in the city of Houston, for over 15 years, WQA and TWQA have been engaged on trying to amend and revise the plumbing code. At the state or at the local level, they had a specific requirement that created a double check valve assembly for all water softeners. And so WQA and TWQA worked through the regulatory process to successfully get a carve out for residential water treatment systems. And actually on October 25th, the city council just approved that plumbing code and it'll actually take effect in January 2024. So very exciting win to see WQA and TWQA collaborate using members on the ground to really advocate for our position and really drive home a win for the industry. So David, tell us about your involvement in this. What was the, uh, the practical application of this, uh, of this legislation and how did it affect WQA and TWQA members? So this uh, amendment to the universal plumbing code turned up in the local Houston codes approximately 15 or maybe more years ago. It is a requirement that is not in any of the national model codes. And it somehow got put in. We didn't even know about it. I don't think we were as on top of things 15 years ago as we are today. And we woke up literally one day and our residential installs were being red tagged because we weren't putting a double double check valve assembly and having it tested and certified, uh, putting the the water softeners in. So this cost a lot of money to a lot of uh, companies. We got, some companies got fined and it became a pretty big issue. So trying to get that change back or trying to explain that to local officials and local plumbing inspectors became a huge challenge. So we were unable to get this changed for years because it's a very complicated process as it turns out. It's not just the technical knowledge or the code knowledge. There's also local connections or local people with power. It could be the plumbing unions. It could be politicians city councils involved. We appealed to the mayor at one point, and none of this actually worked. It took us years to find out really how to do it. And this is where one of the things that without the WQA, we never could have accomplished this because we needed a combination of all of these talents and abilities, and we needed the boots on the ground here, as well as the government affairs expertise was this a case? Uh, was this a case, David? Pardon me for interrupting. Uh, no, where it, it was 
maybe it started with the best of intentions and maybe, you know, the, the legislation hadn't th- been thoroughly thought through when it was passed initially? So that's an interesting question. We have never been able to determine that exactly. We believe that it originated by or from one plumbing inspector individual who did not understand how water softeners operated. Mm. And they thought there was a danger there that there wasn't. And no amount of explanation or documentation or technical briefs from EPA manuals, WQA manuals, none of these things would convince these people that there was no backflow danger from a water softener. They were convinced that under certain conditions, the contents of the water softener would be sucked up into the city water line. Uh, The contents of the brine tank would be sucked up into the city water line. And even though every single thing in the water softener is NSF certified and none of it's hazardous, they decided that this was a hazard, was a danger. So you could say the best of intentions on their part, but one of the lessons that I learned from this is that even the senior officials with all the credentials who are responsible for protecting the water quality in a major U.S. city actually are ignorant about how water softeners operate. And that was part of our challenge was to try to educate them, but they didn't really want to be educated. Yeah, and actually, if I could just interject too, I just wanted to kind of pinpoint on one one item that that David, or actually two items that you brought up, David, right? There was definitely a gap in understanding and a little bit of misinformation that we experienced when engaging with local and state policymakers on the issue. But something too that he wanted, that he actually noted was that window of opportunity, right? There, you definitely have to identify that opportunity where you can kind of weigh in, amend, or even revise a different regulation or code. And that really started with our work with David and Bob and TWQA starting in 2022, where we were able to meet with the office of the mayor. We were able to meet with city council members on the issue and actually secure voting spots for David and Bob on the um, construction code modernization committee, which really gave us an opportunity to then kind of clear up some of the misinformation and provide scientific and technical information to really kind of calm their fears and, you know, provide proper education on the subject. So just wanted to add that as well. Yeah. And your reference to Bob is Bob Rustorfer, who is a Culligan dealer in Texas as well. I just wanted to point that out. Um, We had hoped to have Bob with us on the show, but uh, he was unable to join us. So, well, uh, Jordan, back to you then. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about how this issue was resolved. So there's this longstanding uh, misunderstood situation, uh, the legislation's intact, and yet you're trying to make the change, and ultimately you start knocking on the doors, and the doors eventually started to open, calls started to be answered when perhaps over years, again, they hadn't been. What seemed to be the turning point that that started to move the needle Yeah, great on question. Um, again, right, that window of opportunity that we had with being a part of the construction con- 
construction uh, modernization committee and being on those key task forces that were overseeing the plumbing code was definitely pivotal. Um, on our first go around, David, right, we really tried to get rid of that section entirely because, as he mentioned, right, it's not in the national model code, it's not in the UPC, not in the IPC. So our first amendment actually was to try to strike the entire code and um, unfortunately got rejected without, um, you know, much support on our end. And it really sent us back to the drawing board. And after we engaged again on the same amendment with um, the resolution committee, right? So you had the opportunity to um, kind of appeal our position to this resolution committee, which was a few delegates from each task force or, um, you know, specific to the plumbing code. And um, after we appealed that, we actually learned something in our, in our conversations, right, David, was um, that it wasn't necessarily a backflow issue. We, we really got clarity that it was a cross-connection issue, and that led us to really reaching out to uh, TCEQ and getting more clarification to see what the issue was and kind of how we can best message that to policymakers, and which led us to our, our final amendment, which, um, you know, created that that carve out specific for residential softeners. Um, so double check valve assemblies would only be re required for commercial softeners. And that was actually approved um, by the full construction code modernization committee on a vote eight to three, um, which then got inducted into the 2021 uh, building codes proposed to the city. And um, yeah. So what changed from the city of Houston side was the process. And this was a critical factor. For years, the city was organized to where the code writing and enforcement department had almost total control over amending the codes. And there was very little recourse. So we initially joined an organization called the Construction Industry Council, which is a group of trade associations related to building construction. So water, plumbing, electric, HVAC, fire, all of these things, elevators, all of these things. And what we came to find out was that we were not alone. All of these trade groups had similar gripes that the code writing people thought in the city of Houston that they were better engineers or smarter than all the engineers that wrote the model codes. And they had similar complaints about different amendments, and they were not getting anywhere either. What finally happened in the last code go-around a year ago was that there was an outcry by the electricians where hundreds signed up to speak at the city council meeting to complain about the process. So the mayor finally took notice and city council took notice because we weren't the only ones complaining and they realized the process was was not a good one so this year they formed the construction code modernization committee and what the mayor did was he hired consultants from i think california chicago one guy maybe atlanta where they had a more open process and we were able to secure seats. The Texas Water Quality Association secured a seat on this council, and so did the Water Quality Association. 
And then we finally had a forum to present our arguments and our proofs. And it was still an uphill battle because our amendment proposals got turned down twice and they had appeal process and we got turned down three times. But finally, in the fourth process, we were able to present our case to the larger group of trades because the plumbers were the ones with the misconceptions. And the plumbers thought that they knew how water softeners operated. And these were top plumbers, as you mentioned, not with bad intentions. One of them sat on the board of directors of the UPC, of IAPMO, and he didn't know how water softener operated. But they were not willing to accept that from us. But through this process, the TWK and the WQA were now sitting at the table and we had equal standing with the other unions. And we became the experts. This was something without the help of WQA, we never could have done it. And WQA couldn't have done it without the local feet on the ground. So that synergy is critical. And that's how we were finally able to prevail. And our vote was not unanimous, but it was a majority vote. And we did get a, uh, a compromise amendment to this proposal, which at least carved out residential water softeners as no longer requiring this device. This will save consumers millions of dollars a year and make the water filtration more available to a larger population because the costs will now go down for it. So in the end, Jordan, uh, share with us some of your takeaways and what you learned and what, uh, what we can all learn, I guess, from this scenario. Yeah, great question. Um, and I think that synergy that David just mentioned actually is, is kind of that takeaway that I would say is, is working together to achieve our policy goals is the only pathway forward. You need the boots on the ground advocacy. You need the engagement at the state and local level specifically to really drive home that change. But also you need to have scientific and technical information to support your position. And you really need to know your audience, you know, as, as David kind of mentioned as well, right? There was a variety of different stakeholders we had to educate and um, provide more background context on our issue to really drive home, drive home that, that notion. And so that synergy, I think, is valuable. And something we also did while we were down there is we got a, uh, a joint letter with WQA and TWQA and, and 29 supporting organizations for our position. So again, right, that synergy, the voice of many to really drive home our legislative goals to uh, drive positive, positive change. So um, I think that was definitely uh, pivotal to that initiative. Well, I think this could be a framework for how WQA and member organizations and member companies, I should say, uh, work together on public policy, on things like this in the future, would you say, David? Absolutely. It was uh, really uh, an excellent way to do it. I think uh, others that are in the same situation locally need to call on the WQA for assistance. And I think uh, an outline of how we did it could be very valuable to others trying to get things accomplished. 
Hey, Wes, just wanted to also highlight some of the work the Government Affairs Department is working on. And as David mentioned, right, building that framework will be pivotal to empowering our members to really drive home positive change at the state and local level. So we're actually in the final stages of publishing a code revision playbook, which really puts out a framework for handling these sort of issues at the state and local level and what you kind of need to bring to the table when trying to drive positive change. So keep your eyes open for something published by the end of the year, and it should be a great resource for all of our members. All right. And if you need to reach out to the WQA Government Affairs team, it's govaffairs at wqa.org. Again, Jordan and David, thanks very much for joining us on WQA Radio. Thanks, Wes. Take care. And now our motivational minute. It's been said that when someone needs to buy a drill, they really don't want the drill itself. They need a hole in the wall. That's what the drill is going to provide them. Well, when it comes to the water treatment industry, people don't really want a a water softener or an RO or, or any other kind of filtration device. No, what they really want is better quality water. They want to know that they are protecting the health and wellness of their family. In other words, we have to know what we're really offering our customers. Let's not forget the real need. It's the water. It's not the equipment, per se. It just so happens that we offer really important solutions with our products and services. But most people don't really care about the details. They're not concerned about the intricacies of of the product that you install. They don't really care, but they do care about quality water. So let's keep the focus on the real need. It's the water. And now our WQA tip. Registration for the 2024 convention is underway. Just head on over to wqa.org slash convention to get all the details about the convention which will be held in Orlando March 5th through the 7th, 2024. Can't wait for it, really, and it's going to be here before you know it. Great education, fantastic technology and exhibits, and networking with other colleagues that you can't get anywhere else. So head on over to wqa.org convention to learn more and sign up. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at WQA.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from WQA Radio.